Yeah, that guy. He does look like somebody. You're right. Just can't quite think of it no. right now. Oh my god, the best fat suit I've ever seen. Oh, it came in guns hot. Did. <laughs> what are they all doing in this movie, which is pretty boring? How you like me now? You like him now, indeed. It's our annual salute to Oscar nominees, the skeletons in the closet, because almost every successful actor has a horror movie skeleton in the closet. Somewhere. Somewhere. And we're here to dig them up. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com. This is always fun. Not only do we get to talk about the Oscar nominees, which we love, love the Oscars, Talking about them and debating and hashing them out, but we get to dig into their past and find some of these. Let's be honest, some are pretty bad. Not only are they forgettable, they are embarrassing. But that's what happens when they're starting their career. They take a job, you got to get a job. And then, and a lot of these, I think that these people are so talented, even though they were young and green and raw, you can still spot some talent. Not always. Not always. But sometimes. We got a couple on this list, you're like, ooh. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. It's like Tom Hanks, and he knows you're alone. Like, yeah. you're watching this god-awful movie, and all of a sudden, for like one and a half scenes, there's Tom Hanks, you know, right. like 75 minutes in, you're like, whoa, my God, acting. Yeah, that's future GD national treasure. That's right. Tom Hanks. So he is not on this list, no. because he did not get an Oscar nomination, although he was fine. He did a fine job in the post. Uh, didn't get an Oscar nomination, but we've got a group that did get nominations, and we've got some great skeletons in their closets to talk about. But a bunch of stuff to take care of first, as we have some thanks to uh, to dish out. Well, mainly, we want to thank Brandon Thomas for joining us last time to talk about the best horror movie openings. That was fun. It was fun. He did a great job. He and really He did, really yeah. came with a lot of great ideas and thoughts and good movies to talk about. He came in guns hot. Did. <laughs> But because of him, I'm not going to blame him, but we have kind of a revolt on our hands. Let's blame him. All right. Because what I find is that basically Fright Club people wanted to see Scream on the list. Right. That's understandable. And uh, it didn't make our list. It did make Brandon's list, though. So I guess everybody loves him now and we'll be listening to his new podcast instead. Well... (laughs) (laughs) We've created a monster. (laughs) Well, you know what? That's not to say that we don't think the opening to to scream yeah. is deserving we we liked it very uh, much we love it and, and we, said, we said last week uh there were like nine movies right. that kept moving in and out of the of numbers five and six i mean it, there were so many great ones so well you know what there's nothing wrong with a good controversy no you know stir it up hot takes that's right that's hot about. takes Clicks. so many people were mad though but silas in particular had a pretty funny story about scream because he said he watched it years after it came out uh, watched the opening scene and then told the people who he was with what was going to happen next like he already knew. So he's not allowed to watch it anymore. And also Tom. Uh, Tom Howard yes. had one as well. Because the, he he and Tammy were young parents yeah. when they watched it. And understandably so, they were just shaken and, and frightened by it, as you would be. Because you remember when you're new parents, you're like anything that even thinks about coming and giving some harm to my child. You know, right. you just freak. Right. Uh, yeah, boy. Right. He, he told a... a a great story like uh, about that on Facebook, and I said, boy, that's, I bet. I yeah. can only imagine. Yeah. D-Zach was more or less happy with the list, though. I, I was thrown a little bit by what he said. I thought he was saying he only liked number one, but no, that's not what he was saying. He was saying 
He he was good with the list, more or less. So that's good. Okay, thing, well, but... good. Well, we had a lot of fun doing it, uh, talking about the uh, openings, and of course that leads to the question, as we said, what about the endings? And we will get to that. We will. But uh, we also have to say a big thank you, you especially. To our buddy Dan, who just <gasps> chimed in. Was that today? It was today. Just Dan is my new best friend. With a fantastic comment on Twitter, and it's well-deserved. you want to explain? Well, he just said, because it is Women in Horror Month, and he and he referred to me as a horror journalist. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and said that, that people should listen. And also, he said he has never made it to a live event. So come out, Dan. Oh, we would come love to Come out on you. Valentine's Day. Yeah, and feel the love. Um, actually, you know what? And I'll... I'll this is totally, I swear to God, this is true. It was just today I was uh, scrolling, I think it was on Facebook or some social media thing, and I saw some post about women in horror, and I thought of you. I Aww. really did. I'm like, well, hey, you qualify. <laughs> so, Dan, I appreciate it. You you got that uh, great sentiment before I could, but I 100% agree, and we would love to see you at a Fright Club Live. So why don't we uh, just plug it? Our next Fright Club Live is coming up here in days. It's Valentine's Day. It is 14th, Valentine's Day. Wednesday, back as we always are at Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. Going to talk about sex and death. And we're going to show... Yeah. This qualifies trouble every day. Yes. This is going to... Um, it'll trouble some people. It, it will. Maybe every day. At least that day. <laughs> so come see what we mean. And we've been getting some good... Remember I said I was unsure of the song. That we might Which, use. now, see, I'm irritated by that because I picked a song long ago, but George never let me pick a song. It's a hot take. It's more <laughs> controversy here on the Fright Club podcast. Okay. Uh, anything else? We've got to get to these skeletons in well, their do you want to say? Say who gave me the recommendation? Yeah. Yeah, the one I like the best is Donna. Donna, you're the leader in the clubhouse right now. <laughs> so uh, we will see what comes uh, when we get to the podcast uh, for Fright Club Live Sex and Death. But you want to get to these skeletons in these respective closets? Yeah. Do you know what, though? I think it deserves a mention that this year, the Oscar nominees have more really good horror films in their closets than in any year that I can think of. There are some good ones. Yeah. I mean, uh, Willem Dafoe is Antichrist. Yeah. Of course, Richard Jenkins has two, Bone Tomahawk and Let Me In. Yes. Those we are talk- both awesome. We talked both of those, uh, talked about both of those at length on the podcast. Love those. And then Woody Harrelson, of course. We love the zombie Oh, land. my God. Love zombie land. Love the zombie Laura land. Metcalf, of course, Scream 2. Yeah. And even though you and I don't love it as much, Octavia Spencer was in Drag Me to Hell, which is wildly popular. It is. A lot of people like that more than we do. Right. So, you know, God love you. And let's back up to Laurie Metcalf a second. It's not a horror movie, but remember the other night we were flipping channels and Uncle Buck was on. <laughs> and Laurie Metcalf is in Uncle Buck. I'm like, wow, that's Laurie Metcalf. Man. So, yeah, you're right. Those are good movies. And then there's some that are decent, like Saoirse Ronan. She was in Byzantium. Right. You, you I like that, that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Willem Dafoe's been a bunch that are worth seeing. Odd Thomas is fun. Daybreakers is fun. Oh, and yeah. then Sam Rockwell has been in about 100. <laughs> and of them, Joshua is not bad. Right. Uh, and also, you just mentioned uh, Octavia Spencer in Drag Me to Hell. She's in another one. This falls under the heading of not quite bad enough to be a skeleton. She was in Pulse. Right. That's just barely not bad enough. I mean, that's bad. That's a bad movie. Gary Oldman's been in a bunch. Backwoods, Hannibal, The Unborn. That's a bad one. Leslie Manville. We were so surprised. Well, I guess surprised. But I we guess were we so were happy, happy to see her nominated for her performance in Phantom Thread because she's always good. She was in Rupture. Yeah. And um, and then Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out. So great to have him get a nomination as well. And he was in, I didn't see this chat room. With a bunch of like giant, like today, giant stars. Yeah. You're like, what are they all doing in this movie? Which is pretty boring. Richard Jenkins, speaking of boring, the broken, just this just bland doppelganger thing that's terrible. 
Sally Hawkins. Now, this one almost made the list only because we've never gotten to talk about Sally Hawkins, and I love her. Yes. But it's not bad. It's just not good. It's called The Killing Gene. Tom Hardy is in it also. And then Sam Rockwell, you mentioned he's got a bunch. He had Happy Hell Night. Also, almost bad enough for this list. And then the remake of Poltergeist. Also, almost bad enough. <laughs> but just films, as, as he always does, he usually just makes everything he's in better. Yeah, at least he's always good yeah. in it. Yeah, and then there was Denzel Washington in uh, Why Isn't This a Porn Movie, The Bone Collector. Well, Denzel got nominated last year, so we talked about The Bone Collector last right. year. So he couldn't, we weren't going to do it two years in a row. Uh, exactly. So uh, there's a bunch there. So one more thing before we jump in. This was supposed to be a co-hosted podcast. Oh, yes. With our dear, beloved senior Aussie correspondent, Corey Metcalf, yeah. who also does for Golden Spiral Media, does the podcast Triple Cast yes. about films. You should check it out if check you haven't. Out. We've been on it a couple of times. A lot of fun. A yeah. lot of fun to listen to. And we were really looking forward to having him on, and he was he was eager to join us. But the time difference, he's a man from the future, as you know, it's a 16-hour time difference. Yeah. And between his work schedule and ours, we just couldn't make and it we happen. Took, we took a little out-of-state vacation here, about a, a long weekend, and we were out somewhere where basically there's very, very little cell service, very little We were internet. on a mountain in the woods, we so were. just imagine how comfortable <laughs> I was. So we couldn't work that out, but Corey, I appreciate your, your input as always, and he's got a list. He, he mentioned Octavia Spencer. Uh, in Halloween 2, that's his number 5. Sam Rockwell's Happy Hell Night, that was his number 4. Sam, Sam Ro- Rockwell's Clown House, <laughs> number 3. <laughs> and then Octavia Spencer again, his number 2 in Pulse. These are all the ones that we've mentioned. And his number 1 was Gary Oldman in The Unborn. So we're going to talk about those with Corey more at length. It didn't work out. We'll, we'll make it up to you. We'll get a rain check here one of these days. But that's a good list, and I think there's going to be some crossover with our list once we start. So let's do that. At number 5, it is Octavia Spencer. She is nominated this year for her performance in The Shape of Water. But back in 2009, she was the night nurse in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Nurse, I need something for my head. Not a lot of dialogue in that clip, but, that, but that, that is Octavia getting stabbed multiple times. Yes. It's, it's a good death scene. She dies really well. She does. Yeah. She, I mean, and it's a funny thing because there are very few performances in the entire film that you could point to as being worth watching. And you know what? Rewatching that, I thought, no, that was, that was good. So Rob Zombie's Halloween films, actually Rob Zombie's canon is not really, it's not a group of films that we particularly like. I like The Devil's Rejects, and that is the end of it. Yeah, that's another area where some people, there's a, there's a core group of zombie fans that, that really disagree with us here, but uh, yeah, we're not real big fans, and that includes this movie. Yeah, it's just bad. Of course, I disliked his Halloween because I, I don't I just think I don't think it was made by a fan of the film. He may think he's a fan of the film, but I think he came at it with the idea he was going to fix it. He was going to correct it. He was going to correct one of the greatest horror films ever made. And yeah, I'm opposed to that. I'm opposed to it as well. It's it's a curious way to come at it and in no means does he do that. Does he fix anything? And he he makes some changes like this is the only Halloween movie where Dr. Loomis Pretty much dies for certain, where Sam Loomis dies for mm-hmm. certain. Malcolm McDowell in these films. Yeah, in this, in this film, uh, standing in for uh, Donald Pleasance. The thing about a lot of zombie movies, Rob Zombie movies, <laughs> um, 
is when he thinks maybe he thinks he's he's doing homage and it just seems like he's cribbing. Yeah, it really does. Well, I mean, here's here's the thing that I like about Rob Zombie films is that he collects a cast of hardcore horror fan favorites. Yes, I'll give him that. And 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 he does it every time except he also has his wife in these films which is never a good idea. But uh, other than that, it's all it, it's almost entirely just 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 really great character actors you never get to see except in horror films. Yep. And he does it again in this one and that's all that is fun as well. And you know what? I don't think I dislike Halloween 2 as much as I disliked Halloween because it's not the same movie it's a it's a somewhat new story mm-hmm. and also there are these weird dream sequences where michael myers is like imagining his dead mother coming to him on a horse and things like that and and that, those are all right i mean that flight's a fancy that i i kind of dug but on the whole no i think it's just a it's a grim mirthless boring retread yeah so that's why it qualifies as a skeleton in octavia spencer's closet her role as a night nurse in halloween 2 from 2009 before we go away from halloween have you seen the pictures? Everybody's probably seen the pictures making their way around social media of Jamie Lee Curtis on the set of the, yes! of the new one. It's exciting, I yes. gotta say. I've been excited about this from the beginning. At first, people weren't super thrilled because uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who together made Eastbound and Down, right. they were the creative sort of minds behind this, and people thought they mm, don't want a comedy. Yeah, yeah. But David Gordon Green, if you're not familiar with his work, he has made a ton of great little indie films. His more mainstream films have been, except for Pineapple Express, have been less interesting. But I, I would watch anything that he's ever done. In fact, one of my favorites is a, is a movie with Sam Rockwell called Snow Angels, which isn't a horror movie, but it's tense and uncomfortable and really well done. So I was excited from the get-go because I love both of those guys. Yeah, and he and, did, all, I mean, All the Real Girls. Oh, he did that, that movie nobody saw except us called Joe. Yeah, Remember that with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. A Pineapple Express oh, yeah. is freaking hilarious. I love Joe. Yeah, Joe was good. And um, certainly dramatic indies. This is his first full-on horror film, but... But I'm saying you were talking about people's reaction because most of the films that I think people know from him, they think comedy, especially with Danny McBride. Right, sure. Because Pineapple Express made a ton of money. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, where a lot of the reaction came from. But I think think you're right. Look at his, all his work, Mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not really concerned that much about it just because their names are attached to no, it. No, particularly because he's a he's a really good director, and I feel like that's the most important thing outside of a writer is to have a great director. So I'm excited about it, and those pictures only made me more excited. <laughs> yeah, so that, that'll be fun. So we got off the track a little bit, but uh, let's move up to number four in this year's Skeletons in the Closet. Oscar nominees all with horror films in their backgrounds. Gary Oldman is at number four. I think he is... Maybe as big of a lock in this year's Oscar as anybody. Yes. He's probably almost, I'd say 99%, going to take home Best Actor for his role in Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. And he was fantastic. He was fantastic. As Winston Churchill. He's better than the movie. Yes, he is. Actually, uh, aided by some incredible makeup and a fat suit. Oh, my God. The best fat suit I've ever seen. We'll go back to his skeleton. 1992, it was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, to my home. Enters freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Harcourt, to my house. Come here. 
this is one I feel like people are going to be pissed about. Like, because... That we don't like this yeah. movie? Bram Stoker's Dracula winds up being on a lot of lists of, like, the 100 horror movies you must see before you die, and blah, blah, blah. And to his credit... Gary Oldman is brilliant in this movie. He's fantastic, especially uh, before he moves to London, when he's in the castle with the big, like, Monty Burns, you know, goofball (laughs) stuff going on in the shadow running around behind him. Oh, my God. He's great, because very few actors choose scenery as well as he does. But the entire rest of the movie and the entire rest of the cast sucks. Well, especially, I mean, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Come on. So Winona Ryder, she has talent. She does. We just don't see any of it here. And Keanu Reeves, you know, has he's had some in the last few years that have improved. Neon Demon, I thought he was great. Neon Demon, I agree with you. But here, he is so bad. So bad. I mean, it drags the entire film down. And Anthony Hopkins is another scenery chewer. He's a chewer here. Yeah, and this one, oh yeah. I mean, he was eating whole planks. He's he's a little Branagh here. (laughs) A little bit into Branagh territory. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you though on Gary Oldman's performance. He is all in. It was interesting. He hired a singing coach to help him lower his voice by a whole octave. Wow. He was trying to get a whole octave, which is tough to help him give Dracula that more sinister voice quality. And uh, he definitely comes across as a weird, sinister, freaky, scary character. Yeah, he does. I've got to tell you, though, when he's the young, you know, Vlad, the prince, the seductor, um, I've never... And I love Gary Oldman. I have loved Gary Oldman since I was a little kid, and I saw him play Sid Vicious. I love him, but I didn't buy him as the young, seductive vampire. Uh, maybe it's because he had he need he doesn't have any chin. Mm. I think he just needed a little something to make him seem. And that hair and the top hat that didn't help. Well, of course, this was Francis Ford Coppola. And check this out. Here's his original list of possible actors he had penciled in to maybe go after for the role before Gary Oldman got it. Daniel Day-Lewis, Alec Baldwin, Jason Patrick, Aidan Quinn, Christian Slater, Nicolas Cage, Michael Nouri, Dermot Mulrooney, Gabriel Byrne, Costas Mandalore, Nick Cassavetes, Adrian Pazdar, Hugh Grant, Rupert Everett, Ray Liotta, Sting, Kyle McLaughlin, Alan Rickman, Colin Firth, and Hart Bachner. Wow. You know Hart Bachner. From Die Hard. I'm going to give him to you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bubby. Hans. Bubby. That's quite wow. a list. That is quite a list. That is quite a list. That list is the A list all the way down to the C minus list. <laughs> and why is there any list that Dermot Mulrooney is in that Dil- Dylan McDermott is also I not in? I can't imagine, actually. I don't understand that. No. But anyway, let's move on. Gary Oldman got it. He's great in it. He's, he's better than the rest of the cast and really the film. And I, I agree with you. I think putting this as a skeleton, a lot of people are not going to agree. No. But come on. Be honest with yourself. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. It's a skeleton. But Gary Oldman can console himself probably with Oscar that we think he, <laughs> we think he's going to get um, come Oscar night. We'll see. That's number four on our list of skeletons in the closet 2018. How you like him now? Let's move up to number three. This is another one. Well, we talked about locks. The smart money is on Sam Rockwell to win Best Supporting Actor for Three Billboards. And he's fantastic. He is. In the movie. As he always is, as we were saying. I mean, he is never yeah. not great. I think this is something... An Oscar, if if he were to win, it's something that's been coming for a while. Yeah, he, he's one that you look at in films, think he's he's going to win mm-hmm. one. Like like Saoirse Ronan is yeah. eventually going. She will to absolutely win one, no for question. Sure, but uh, back in 1989, it was Sam Rockwell's movie debut, a movie set just before Halloween. Three young brothers alone in a big house are menaced by three escaped mental patients who have murdered some traveling circus clowns. 
and taken their identities, Sam Rockwell was Randy in Clown House. We're coming to get you, Jeffrey Casey. Randy. Come down and see me. We're coming, Jeffrey. We're coming. We're all coming. We're all coming in, boys. Can you hear us? So here's one that overlaps the list. So Corey Metcalf also had this at number three. Right. It's not good. We've talked about it before, actually. We've mentioned this movie before in our Clowns podcast. Yeah, and because it's taken on a very sad turn here over the last few years when we found out unsettling things about the director. Sure, and uh, so Victor Salva directed this, and it was I think it was his first film, and then he promptly went to prison for a while for having molested the young star of the film. Yeah. Uh, not Sam Rockwell, but the, the boy who plays the youngest brother. And and then, you know, he came back, he rebounded, he made Jeepers Creepers, he made Jeepers Creepers 2, and then he Wish. went to cast Jeepers Creepers 3, and people were like, wait a minute, aren't you a pedophile? Well, it's just funny that it took so long for that to catch up to and him. Weren't there other... Weren't there other- accusations on the set of Jeepers Creepers 2? I'm not sure. What I remember, though, is that when he's casting Jeepers Creepers 3, he was looking specifically for an 18-year-old who looked much younger. And I think that set off waves like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and actually this was, you're right, this was, Clown House was his feature debut, but he he made a a short film in 86 called Something in the Basement that Francis Ford Coppola saw, was impressed, and then gave him 25 Gs to make this movie. Wow. Uh, He was that much impressed with him, and he also gave him the same cameras that George Lucas had used to make American Graffiti. Holy cow. To film this movie. So yeah, uh, Coppola saw a lot of potential, filmmaking potential, and got him really to able to have the, the wherewithal, the equipment and money uh, to make this movie. Well, that's interesting because I've always wondered to myself how this got into the competition at Sundance, and it did. Yeah. At Sundance. Well, I'm like, did anybody see it? But if they had Coppola behind him, that, then maybe yes. that was, because it's just awful. Uh, it's derivative pap, you mm-hmm. know, it's, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing about it that's particularly well made. There are three clowns. They don't speak. They're creepy. The clowns themselves are creepy. The movie is terrible. But Sam Rockwell, who's, I don't know, he was a teenager, and he plays the oldest brother, a yeah. dick, yeah. you know, and, and he's convincing, bit, and he's fun. A little bit like Chet. Yeah, exactly. Chet from Weird Science. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a greasy pork sandwich kind of guy. Right, exactly. He picks on his younger brother because his younger brother is, is phobic about clowns, like Silas, our friend Silas. And then, of course, the, the younger brother is right, and the clowns are coming to kill him. So Sam Rockwell, obviously on to greater things, probably going to be an Oscar winner very soon. Clown House, his skeleton in the closet from 1989. That is number three in our list. And moving up to number two, this is one. My, is this kind of a curveball? Nobody has mentioned it. It wasn't on Corey's list. We haven't mentioned it yet. And she gave a fantastic performance this year as Tanya Harding. She's not going to win Best Actress, but Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. If you haven't seen I, Tanya. And I think a lot of people just with the idea of a, of a movie about Tanya Harding, at least a lot of people that we've talked to were like, I don't want to see that. Trust us. The tone that they take on the movie is so enjoyable. And Margot Robbie is great. And, and another lock, almost lock, I think, for the Oscars. Allison Janney as Tanya Harding's mom. Oh, yeah. It's either going to be her or Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. But uh, the, the performances in the entire movie and the way it's directed 
are great. It's a lot of fun. And Margot Robbie is fantastic. But her skeleton in the closet is from 2009, when a sadistic voyeuristic killer is stalking the city. Three curious teenagers, while spying on their neighbors, believe they've discovered his identity. But when your high-rise apartment is filled with closed-circuit cameras, who is really watching whom? Margot was Tristan Waters in ICU. Still playing I Spy, I see. Nothing else to do. There's a name for what you're doing. It's called voyeurism. Don't knock it till you try it, sis. You can't imagine how fascinating it is watching ordinary people go about their everyday lives without a clue they're being watched. It's like looking into a giant fishbowl. Hello? It's called stalking? Troy thinks he's discovered a serial killer. George, it's bad. <laughs> and it's I, the title, if you're not familiar, is I period C period U period. Like intensive care units. So right. honestly, I thought it was going to be like a hospital horror I, show. I, I did too. But it's not. She's gotten a lot better. Let's put it that way. So that's the thing. First of all, she's incredibly talented. And I think the first thing I remember seeing her in was Wolf of Wall Street. And, and people overlooked, I think, how genuinely brilliant she was in that because because you were so distracted by how insanely gorgeous she is. So I'll give you that. I mean, she's stunning. But, then uh, she but was she's in, so talented. She was in that movie. That Z for Zachariah. No, nobody saw. I that, saw it. Yeah, and you were very impressed with her in that yeah. as well. Yeah. But uh, she finally got a chance, I think, with I, Tanya to have a real lead role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but I think you're right. She's been impressive in every supporting role that I've seen her in, you know, since Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But this was, uh, this was a, it's, it's not the lead. But um, it, yeah, it is. It more or less. Would you is. count this as a lead? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's so. It's a story about teenage brother and sister and the 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 brother's dorky friend who go to stay with their dad for a weekend in Sydney, Australia, while the mom goes to some like spa resort. The parents are maybe divorcing, and this is the dad's last chance to prove that he can be a good dad. And so they're staying in this you know high rise where you can see into the windows of the high-rise across the street. And, of course, the dad immediately, back to his old ways, he's a cop, and somebody calls, and he has to go to the crime scene. So he abandons the kids, and, and they're all mad, and they're all bored, and they're all just being voyeurs, and they're, they've got out some binoculars, and they've got a camera, and they're filming the people across the way who are probably looking at them. And Margot Robbie plays the annoying, bitchy sister who winds up being kind of the central focus black-haired, by the way. She does have black hair in it. Uh, She also, um, let's see, within the first three minutes of the movie, takes a shower, then goes swimming, then changes her clothes like five more times. (laughs) If you're curious as to why she got cast, which is unfortunate because she can act, although you would not know it from this movie. (laughs) And the, the two kids are just, they're idiotic. Oh, yeah. The voyeuristic kids. Who, who does the the killer? Who does he look like? I was thinking the whole time. Who does he look like? He looks like somebody that's been in more movies. Well, funny that you say that because turns out basically everybody these three kids know is the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean the guy across the street who's killing all the hookers? Yes. Yeah, that guy. He does look like somebody. You're right. Just can't quite think of it no. right now. But uh, Margot Robbie, number two. On our Skeletons in the Closet 2018 list, uh, I See You. You know, it's just not even one of those that's a fun, bad movie. It's just bad. It's just bad. But much better things to come from Margot, and we'll see how it turns out for her on Oscar night. Moving up to number one, this is uh, another lock. We've talked about some strong chances for wins. 
I think uh, Frances McDormand has it locked up for Best Actress for her role this year in Three Billboards. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Yeah, she is fantastic. Of course, she's won one already mm-hmm. for Fargo. But, deservedly uh, so. Deservedly she so. She was so great. That's right, and she just owns Three Billboards. But let's go way back to 1985 when a pair of whacked-out, cartoon-like exterminator-slash-hitmen kill the owner of a burglar alarm company and stalk the partner who hired them, his wife, and a nerd framed for the murder who tells the story in flashback from the electric chair. It sounds zany. It's Sam Raimi's Crime Wave, and Francis McDormand was a nun. Crime Wave, a fiendish plan to turn citizens into shock absorbers. And only one man is bold enough to try and stop it. Some night, huh? It couldn't possibly have been worse. Now that's the trailer for the film, but here's a little piece of Frances McDormand's performance. She was a nun that took a vow of silence. <laughs> I see what you did there. So I couldn't get any sound. But uh, yeah, this was Sam Raimi. And it was also co-written by Sam Raimi's good friends, Joel and Ethan Cohen, which explains why Frances McDormand was involved. Yes. Um, boy, talk about skeletons in their closet. They got a little better. They did get a little better. Also, Bruce Campbell, obviously. Clearly, he's going to appear in this film. And he's, he's fun. He's yeah. a breath of fresh air in this movie. But man, this movie is... It's just all over the place. Not only with the cat. Louise Lasser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Louise Lasser from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. She's clearly coked out of her gore. <laughs> I mean, then the guy that played um, Bluto in uh, Popeye, in uh, the Popeye movie, Paul, Paul L. Smith. I remember the guy, the guy who was in Blade Runner. The first of the uh, oh, that's Brian James. Yeah, he's yeah. he's all those are the two exterminators, no, right? Yeah, no, the big the big hulky. Yeah, uh, the two exterminators. Yeah, yeah. The other one who played uh, Bluto in uh, the uh, Robin Williams Popeye, mm-hmm. and he's just stomping around like a bull in a china shop, mm-hmm. kind of a presence. But everybody in it, it seems like they're just wandering through, just on some sort of dare. So I watched it, and then I was pissed off that I watched it because it's just unbearably terrible and I kept waiting for it to turn into a horror movie and it really doesn't and then I was super mad that I watched it and I wasn't going to be able to even include it on this podcast but I am to be counted as a horror and I did find the experience horrific so here it is (laughs) even Bruce Campbell who's always been a pretty good judge of his own work Mm -hmm. uh, was quoted as saying that this film quote wasn't released it escaped <laughs> and that's that's really how it is. And the funny thing is too about the Cohen brothers. Nothing. Bro- There's Co- nothing funny. Well, that's true. They they <laughs> think there is. You you almost want to have a part of this movie needs like a Benny Hill soundtrack in the background. Oh yeah. You know, with just people running around, Keystone Cops kind of thing, but Sam Raimi I guess was not initially impressed with uh, the Cohens. He he called Ethan Cohen quote just a statistic accountant at Macy's. Oh. Not really impressed with his writing ability. <laughs> Uh, although, I guess Bruce Campbell was, because he had read the script to Blood Simple. Oh, well, there you uh, go. Which is fantastic. I mean, the Coen brothers, my lord. Craftsman. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure you get better than that. It's, it's hard. But uh, let's go back to this movie. Right, exactly. The, the, it's on the other end of the spectrum. It's just, yeah, it's got to be number one in this, because it's so, so bad.
It's, it's you, unwatchably bad. Yeah, you would like to say it's so bad it's good, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not boring, right, in the way that ICU is, just grim and boring and, and doesn't and just irritating that you're watching it. It's just, it's zany, it's three stoogy, but not in right. a fun way, in a way that just makes you want to drill your own teeth. But you know what it does have going for it, besides Francis McDormand? Huggy Bear. <laughs> Antonio Fargus yeah, yeah. is in this movie. So that's always a plus, get some Huggy in there. But number one got to be on our list of skeletons in the closet. Francis McDormand, Crime Wave from 1985. All right, what did we miss? You got your own skeletons of uh, this year's Oscar nominees. We'd love to hear about it. Easiest way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, on Instagram and, and Facebook. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And then the main website is madwolf.com. And thanks again to Corey Metcalf for contributing and for watching these bad movies and for prepping for this podcast. We yes, miss you, brother. We, we miss you. Sorry we couldn't work it out. We'll try to make that up to you. And we look forward to, as we said, on Valentine's Day Eve, the 14th. We'll be there at Gateway Film Center, High Street in Columbus, Ohio, for the next Fright Club Live. Love to see you. We're looking at you, Dave. That's right. To come out and uh, enjoy a little sex and death talk and watch Trouble Every Day. That should be fun. And, uh, we look oh, for- it'll totally put you in the mood. It's, it's a great <laughs> Valentine's Day movie. I'm lying. You won't have sex again. <laughs> well, I'm really uh, excited to see it. Got your flowers and everything. Uh, so until then, we hope to hear from you. I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. How you like my-